are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a June 12th Tuesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I am your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. Writer and editor at LeBron Wire for USA Today and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. It has been a while. I'm so glad to be doing this podcast again. It has been a long season uh, covering the Cavs all the way through the finals and LeBron uh, for LeBron Wire. And I'm kind of glad it's over now um, because now that means we can get into the draft. We can get back into the Blazers here over on Locked On Blazers. We'll be doing lots of draft pods for you. Uh, I know there's a lot that we missed. Uh, Damian Lillard making first team All-NBA. Rumors. Uh, I think there's a lot of of CJ rumors right now. And we'll talk about those later in the week, uh, you know, with Cleveland trying to do what they can to keep LeBron James. Lots of people in Cleveland talking about trying to get C.J. McCollum as maybe someone to, to, to pair with LeBron. Uh, but the, that's, um, you know, that's been going on for a while. Uh, you know, that rumor has been out there for a while now, so I don't think we need to get into it too much. Uh, we know the trade C.J. stuff. We know that that is a topic, um, and, and that is a, it's going to be a talking point in coming days. But it's the draft, and uh, it, it's a great time. And the draft, you know, honestly, uh, covering two teams at the same time uh, is kind of a blind spot for me. I've seen guys come through in the Hoop Summit. I've seen a little bit of March Madness, saw a little bit of Euro Basket, where I saw Luka Doncic last year. Um so I, I have a very basic knowledge of the draft, and uh, on this first episode that we're going to have a draft guest, we're going to have a lot of draft guests uh, from here until the draft, which is in about 12 days or so, and it's going to be a blast, and it's going to be fun, and our first guest, I had a lot of fun with this interview, is Jeremy Wu, the draft writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, very knowledgeable guy. He's been at all the the post college camps where guys are working out. He's been at the a lot of the high school camps. This guy's been on the ground for a while. He knows his stuff. He has seen these guys, and not only has he been studying these guys and what they can do, he's been talking to guys around the league, been talking to different teams uh, to get a gauge on what's going on with the number two pick, uh, Sacramento maybe interested nobody really knows what sacramento is going to do maybe they're interested in trading it uh atlanta another team that maybe will trade down according to jeremy Wu. but i will stop breaking the news that he talked to us about on the podcast and i'll get right to the podcast fun interview with jeremy Wu, the draft expert from sports illustrated hello and welcome to a new episode of the lockdown blazers podcast and today i we are going to talk draft, and I am joined by Jeremy Wu, the draft man for Sports Illustrated. Uh, his latest mock just came out last week, and we're here to get into the nitty-gritty because I 
truthfully have not followed enough college basketball and all this stuff and gone to all these camps and, and things like you have. And, and I think it'd be great to, to pick your brain a little bit about this. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, you know, a busy final stretch here, but it's crazy. Draft is what, like a week, uh, 12 days, 11 days, something like that. <laughs> crazy yeah it just snuck up on us i mean it just as as soon as we got done with the finals like it's it's like already here and i was knee deep in the final stuff for lebron wire and uh i'm kind of glad that i can pivot to the draft now because it's fun it's something new i'm interested in it um and obviously you know there's gonna be you know lots of the futures are made on this night so um as far as uh the draft let's just talk about the draft i think you know just holistically it seems like the consensus now from your reporting and from other people's reporting and even what he said that DeAndre Iden is going to be the number one pick. Uh, do you see that changing at all between now and draft night? I'd be really shocked if the Suns didn't take DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you know, I think he, I think he's the pick, you know, for me, he's been the number one prospect all season. Uh, you know, he started, we put him there in like October and, you know, it hasn't really given me much reason to change my mind. Um, you know, I just think, you know, knowing the way that teams think, uh, you know, a guy when you're that freakishly athletic and you're seven feet tall, you know, you don't find those guys every, you know, too often. And, um, you know, he fits pretty neatly with what I think Phoenix needs. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's the guy, if, you, if you're going to say, you know, that's the guy I want to develop. I mean, I think, I think he is the clear first choice. That's interesting. Uh, I saw him when he was out here in the Hoop Summit like three years ago, I think it was, when he was in the Hoop Summit. It was a long time ago, or two years ago at least. Um, And he's so big. Like, it's just, I I know, like, I feel like we're underselling a little bit how big he is. (laughs) Yeah, and the the funny thing about it, too, and this, this is really the story, it's not a very complicated story. When I, when I decided that he was going to be the number one guy, it was, you know, I'd seen him play in high school a couple of times. Uh, I saw him at the Hoopal Classic. I saw him at, you know, Jordan Brand. And that was, you know, last year coming into this fall with his season in Arizona. And then, you know, I turn on the TV and it was one of like Arizona's first couple of games of the season. And they were playing some just terrible team. But you, you just, you know, they showed him and just how much his body had changed in six months, really totally blew my mind. I think that was kind of when I knew it. That was all it took. It was just like, you know, that's probably the guy that, you know, the NBA teams are going to, you know, want to take first. And, you know, he backed it up with the way he played over the season. And I think, uh, you know, the concerns were sort of, you know, how hard is he going to play? How much does he love basketball? And I think he responded pretty well to the coaching in Arizona. And I think he sort of answered some of those questions too. Interesting stuff that he's number one pick. Uh, you know, I feel like I spent so much time on Twitter that it's, you know, and I think even myself, I have, I've caught myself saying that Doncic is the, is the number one guy, but you know, how big Aiton is, and I haven't been watching this as closely as you have. Um, you know, it sounds like he's pretty much won them over and, and isn't it a kind of a theme of this draft in general that big men that are skilled can shoot, kind of do a little bit of everything, is kind of the the big thing in this crop of draft prospects? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it kind of points, you know, sort of to, you know, the trend. You know, obviously, you know, we're watching the finals and we're seeing the Warriors and the Cavs and they're playing small. Uh, but the truth is, you know, the NBA is a copycat league and you hear that a lot. You know, whoever's winning and, and the way that they're winning, you know, tends to end up being the way that things go. Uh, but, 
I think with the way the draft works is, is different. You know, the draft tends to go where the talent is, and that's sort of, I think, how teams tend to view it, too. Um, and I think, um, you know, regardless of the fact that, you know, we're not seeing as many traditional big men on the floor, I think, you know, just most people who are basketball-minded, you know, think, you know, these are the guys we want to develop. You know, if we do find a seven-footer who can, you know, defend the ball screen and, you know, sort of do these things for us that, you know, might, might change the game or that, you know, we might gain an edge. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing, I think, this top group of guys between, you know, Aiton, Jaron Jackson, uh, Marvin Bagley, Mo Bamba, and I think to a lesser, a little lesser extent, Wendell Carter. I mean, these are all guys who you know, are very skilled, um, you know, are mobile to some degree uh, and, you know, kind of fit sort of the way the game's changing. You know, I mean, teams are always going to need bigs. Uh, you know, right now the teams that are winning aren't playing centers, but I mean, the fact there is the Warriors didn't need one and, you know, the Cavs, you know, I had to try to beat the Warriors, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, they're not going to be here forever. It's going to be interesting to see how it changes. But I think, you know, the league tends to go where the talent goes. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I do think this is just me speaking just kind of, you know, from an overview of where, you know, I, I've heard this before, that the talent, you know, this group of big men was going to be great. And, I had a friend of mine, he, he actually, when the Blazers picked Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan, uh, it was kind of, everyone was kind of like, huh? Um, and, you know, my buddy said to me, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of great big guys coming up. And I, I think, you know, you just detailed it much better than I can. And I guess this is kind of an off the ball question, but because it's a Blazers podcast, I do want to ask if you had to, <laughs> if you had to, Obviously, you know, I think Aiton probably is ahead of him. But, you know, if you had to put Zach Collins in, uh, you know, the mix with some of those guys that you just mentioned, where do you think you would put him? I think I think if he was in this year's draft, you'd say he had gone back and come out again like this year. I mean, I think he'd probably be sort of in the honestly in the same range, probably like the, you know, late lottery, probably in, in that group, I think would be fair for him, like. You know, I think you can make a case, you know, Collins versus Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, Wendell is a little more skilled and polished. But, you know, Zach has the athletic ability, the body, the shot blocking. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he would fall into the same group in terms of top guys long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that there's something to be said, you know, for that. Uh, like, for example, like Zach Collins versus Robert Williams, you know, who has his own sort of question marks if you're talking about bigs. Uh, you know, I could see him ending up in that range, you know. Um, and it, it, it's funny when players go back to school, uh, you know, it's always like the talk is, you know, maybe he can improve his stock, but I think especially in the first round, you know, you kind of tend to be, you kind of are who you are. And that's sort of like the rule of thumb is it's funny. It's like, it's hard to really, you know, you saw with miles bridges this year, you know, it's kind of hard to climb. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Collins is still an interesting prospect. And again, it's like, you are going to need someone, you know, once these bigs, you know, start coming back and I think it will happen. And, uh, you you got to have someone to guard him. And, you know, Collins has that mobility that I think is valuable. So, No, it's, it, it was interesting just because, it, you know, I, I feel like he's been, for Portland specifically, you know, he's a guy that they look at as a hope to, you know, really improve. The The players talk a lot about him. Uh, you know, Damian talks about how good of a shooter Collins is and stuff like that. So I just kind of wanted to gauge – you know, based on these guys, you know, how he would fit. And I, yeah, I, I think that was uh, really insightful. Um, and 
Portland has a, a pick at uh, 24. Um, I, I feel like the consensus from most Blazer fans, I think, and most people that just watch them get roasted in the series uh, in the first round and get swept think that they need some extra wing help. Uh, at 24 in a, in, a, in a draft that is very big on big men, do you see uh, you know any good wing prospects at 24 that Portland get? I know you said that they could get Josh Okoji or Kogi. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think Okoji. I Oko- think that's right. Okoji. Uh, so, um, I, I mean, I think they need a wing. So, uh, what kind of stuff do you think he brings to the table? And uh, another guy I want to ask you – Well, so we'll start with him, and then I have another guy I wanted to ask you about after that. Yeah, you know, looking at Portland's situation, I mean, you know, sort of how I came I, – I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, addressing some type of need in the perimeter is good. I think ideally a defensive-minded player would sort of give them a different dimension, you know, just sort of looking at what they have and knowing that, you know, barring some type of trade, you know, knowing that they're sort of – you know, cap tied right now with all the salary they have. Um, so, you know, I, I like Koji. I think, I don't think it'd be a reach if, if they like him enough to take him at 24. Um, you know, he was a guy who was kind of had an uneven season at Georgia Tech. You know, he was sitting out at the start of the year due to like, I forget what it was exactly happened with the investigation or whatever, Georgia Tech, but he, either he got eligible and he was playing. And, um, you know, with him, he played well at the combine. I think he is a guy who, teams hope can be versatile defensively, you know, defend, you know, both backcourt spots, maybe some bigger wings, you know, he's strong. Uh, he's very athletic. He moves very well. Um, you know, and he can shoot a little bit. I think he'll make open shots. <laughs> One concern with him is he, you know, he tends to try to do too much. And I, you know, the wonder is always, you know, well, is that because like, he's the best guy on a bad team at Georgia Tech or is it just sort of his natural tendency? Is he going to gun? And, you know, how do you sort of conflate those two things? But, you know, I think with what Portland needs, you know, and you, if you take him, you're not going to ask him to do too much as a scorer. Uh, you know, I think he'd be an, an interesting player for them. You know, I, I, I like what you said about what he had to do last year at Georgia Tech, having to carry, you know, kind of a big weight and, and do things. And, you know, you talked about in the article you wrote that he's kind of a defensive minded guy, but. One of the things that Portland, I thought, really needed last year was just, and it sounds extremely simple, but it's incredibly rare, is someone that can, that it cares about defense, but also can create, you know, shoot, pass, dribble, basically. Just those three things. And and I feel like that is really the biggest thing that is missing, because they have a lot of guys that can do a little bit of either one. Like, some guys can drive and pass. Some guys can defend, but they can't shoot, like Evan Turner. Or uh, Harkless, who, you know, kind of put it together this year. You know, you have Aminu, but I, I feel like they need another guy that can really handle it and create. And uh, that does sound uh, really interesting. Um Another guy that I kind of wanted to ask you about is is an interesting guy to me is uh, from Ohio State is Keita Bates Jop. Uh, he's six eight. He played all four years. He kind of really worked on his game um, over the course of his career. And what do you think he's kind of ready to play right now? Or do you think it's kind of a situation where he's kind of maxed out who he is and maybe it's not really the right call at that spot? I think so to me, I mean, you, you know, you're asking me, I'm personally, I'm sort of down on, on him as a prospect. You know, I've never really been like 
convinced that he's worth a first rounder. Uh, I mean, I could see why, based on you know Portland's roster, you know why he might make sense. Um, although I think he sort of his positional role is a little bit similar to Harkless. Um, but you know, my concern with with Kato is, uh, you know, I, he, he's a good a good guy, a good kid. Um, you know, he's from the Chicago area, so I saw him play a little bit in high school, and you know, I've been familiar with him for a while, and he. Uh, I just, I just don't know about the athleticism the component of his game. Uh, you know, if he's athletic enough, I've talked to, you know, team guys who are worried about, you know, about that, you know, whether he, what position is he, you know, I think he's probably more likely a small ball power forward. I don't know if he really handles it enough or creates well enough in the perimeter to really want to stick him at the three for long stretches. You know, I think he's best suited you know, as a four, uh, but then it's, you know, who's he going to defend? No, he's long, right. But he's not like a super explosive athlete. So he's going to have to really work to rebound. He's going to have to, you know, get tougher to sort of play as a big. Um, and, you know, if you watch Iowa State closely last year, you know, I watched a lot of their games. And I think my biggest other big concern is just the way that, you know, a lot of the ways that the touches he got were sort of like favorable touches where they kind of like maximize. They really maximize him as a player. And, they you know, that's to his credit and to the coaching staff's credit. Um, but, you know, he had that one big year, finally got healthy. I think the talent is there. But I, I guess I, I'm just curious as to what will translate. I think if Kata can shoot, you know, shoot close to 40% from three, then I think he'll have a home in the NBA. Uh, but if not, I'm not sure what else, you know, is there to really, like, jump off the page. Nice. Um, I'm interested in this guy, uh, uh, Zan Zan Musa. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's been a very uh, kind of buzzy prospect. Um, what can you tell me about him? I mean, he kind of fits the bill – I mean, he's really young, uh, but he kind of fits the bill uh, size-wise, at least, from a kind of a need standpoint. It, but is he another guy that's maybe projects as a four instead of a three because he's 6'9"? And w- w- can, what can you tell me about him? Yeah, so I think, I think it's Janan is how you pronounce Janan. it. Janan, yeah. Janan Musa, I think is what it is. So I think he, uh, you know, I know he's over stateside right now working out. Uh, I think he's working out for Portland, um, you know. He is a he's a perimeter player. He's a three. Um, and he, he's definitely not a four. You know he, his body. He's, he's super skinny. Uh, you know he's not really going to be able to be like a banger on the inside. He's, a, he's an interesting player. I think the talent is definitely there. Uh, you know he has a reputation. He plays very hard. He really competes. He goes at it. Uh, in in some ways he's not like a traditional European prospect. You know he he's uh, kind of an aggressive scorer. Kind of plays off the dribble. Um, and. Uh, you know, I think it's possible, definitely possible, he's there at 24. Um, you know, I know he – it's a little bit complicated because I know he wants to, uh, you know, come over, I think, next season. And then the question is, question is, you know, do you want to, you know, roster an 18-year-old uh, who's probably not going to play a lot for you right away? Uh, you know, is that the piece that you want? Um, yeah. So I think that's the question Portland would have to answer. Yeah. But I think skill-wise, you know, as a scorer, he might be a fit. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, that's definitely uh, – that's going to be a tough sell for Dame. Uh, I think I think right. it's, I think it's, especially with what Neil Olshay has been saying lately about how they need to add vets, um, right? And he's not a guy who's going to play much defense for you. So you know, I think I don't know if that would be a deal breaker. Uh, uh, another guy who uh, maybe this is just me being hard on on Neil Olshay's drafts as of late, but he kind of fits the bill of Portland and their drafts as of late. Is uh, by that I mean he's white. Uh, Kevin Werter, uh, Werter, Werter, I don't know, Werter. I, I, I think no, it, I think it, I think it's just Herter. Herter, it's like not, a, cool. I think, 
yeah. Cool. It's, it sounds even wider than I thought. Um, <laughs> but uh, so 6'7", 195, he's been shooting it. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz around him as well um, that he's going to go probably before – you know, I, I, there's been things that I've read about him maybe going into the lottery. Uh, but, um, so, I mean, what are you hearing about him? Where do you think he could go? And, and do you think he's kind of, I mean, again, 19 years old, but, uh, you know, kind of projects to be a good player. Yeah, Herter, you know, he's a guy who really helped himself uh, on the pre-draft process a lot. Uh, you know, the combine was really where he broke out. Um, I think there were... A lot of people in the NBA front offices who liked him and were high on him and his skills and his talent. Uh, it was less of a push from the media side. You know, Maryland was not exceptionally good this year. So I think, you know, we had, you know, him and Bruno Fernando kind of on the radar for us, you know, in our top 60. But, you know, uh, it was hard to get too excited about Maryland. Uh, you know, I saw them up close at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, he's a guy, you know, I, I think he will probably not be there at 24 if I had to, if I had to bet on it today. Like, Mm-hmm. I think he probably will go in the late teens. Uh, you know, I, I reported uh, last week in the mock that, uh, you know, Utah, you know, there's some talk about Utah maybe being a team that, you know, made him some type of guarantee. Although I know traditionally these guys don't, uh, you know, tend to give like firm guarantees. Uh, but regardless, I mean, you know, there's at least one team that has made him a promise somewhere in the back of the first round. I think it's more likely that he goes sort of in that 17, 18, 19, 20 ish range. Like, uh, but he can really shoot. You know, he's got the size. Uh, you know, if you bring him versus Musa, I mean, I think Musa is more of like a downhill guy, and Herter is more of a you know perimeter-focused player. Uh, but anytime you're sort of that that tall and can you know have such a pure jumper like that, you know, I think you're going to be on the NBA radar. And, you know, he's not a plus athlete, but he's not totally unathletic either. And so I think the hope is that he'll be able to sort of cut it uh, defensively. So, uh, you know, again, shooting is just such a premium uh, when you're you know six seven and. Uh, can really, you know, space the floor and you can pass. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like with him. You talked about uh, the number two pick in your last mock, um, and then there was some more news today uh, coming from the Ringer that the, they're looking to – that they're open to trading down. Um, what do you think, w- you know, w- would be kind of the holdup there if you're Sacramento uh, and – what does your gut tell you about what they do? Because if there's a trade at two, I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun on draft night. Yeah, you know, I've been hearing a lot of the same stuff that they reported uh, over the last couple of days. I mean, whether or not they actually do make a trade, I think is probably a different question. But, you know, I think the Kings have, uh, I think, are trying to sort of play the situation uh, to where they have options. Um, you know, there's, I know that they do have some interest in Michael Porter, uh, you know, maybe they move down and target him. I think the question is how far down can they move and like, what can they get? And also, you know, which team would want to make that move or who would they target? You know, I, and I think Woj just reported tonight that and there's a lot of interest in Jaron Jackson. So maybe that's, that's got someone targets number two, but I, I think there's definitely a scenario, uh, you know, where they do make that move. Maybe they move down and look at Porter or another guy they like, uh, the bigger question is who would want to come up to two and, and then what are they looking for at that spot? Um, and I think a lot of that is still yet to be seen. So, and I, I think the Hawks at three, will be a similar situation. You know, that that's a pick that could, uh, could get moved. The Hawks could move down. Inter- very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, this is the stuff that, uh, that everybody loves right now at this time of year. So, um, I got one, I got another question for you. Uh, I got two, two questions before we, we, we wrap this up. Um, 
who is Jeremy Wu's most overrated prospect? Hmm. O- overrated. I mean, or who's your who's I, your I who's your, the, who's your le- I guess who would be your least favorite? Not 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 necessarily underrated or overrated because that's a terrible question. Who's your least favorite? Yeah, no, I I, I know what I'm going to say. Uh, you know, I I think and. I think the overratedness has sort of come back to earth and leveled off a little bit sort of as the season has gone on. Uh, I, I've never not been a very big Colin Sexton guy. Uh, you know, he's a guy who I think will probably end up in the lottery. You know, he could probably go as high as eight or nine, probably could fall to 14 or 15. Um, but he, uh, you know, for me, I, I just am concerned about him not really being a, a pass first guy. You know, I think he'll have the ability to score, you know, he might be able to become a, a guy who scores off the bench and, you know, gives you something, you know, and I know he works hard and definitely has some scoring talent. I just, I don't know if he's a guy who, you know, is going to really be able to run a team. Uh, so that, that's one guy who I think I've been sort of on the more skeptical end about just in terms of like the top guys, like the guys who have, you know, some type of name, name value. Okay. I guess who's your favorite prospect uh, of maybe the, of one, not of like the big guys of like Aiton and Bagley and those guys, but I guess who would be, yeah, sure. who would be your favorite uh, you know, guy that maybe some of our listeners don't know about. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm thinking uh, a guy who I definitely like. Uh, I mean, this is the guy that people people know. Uh, uh-huh. Is Jalen Brunson, who okay, uh, you know, from Villanova, who you know, I just have been very familiar with dating back to you know when he was in high school. You know, I saw a lot of his games. Uh, in the, I mean, I'm from the Chicago area. And, See a lot of guys come out through there. I don't live there now, but uh, uh-huh. you know, Jalen is a guy who you know, has just won everywhere he's gone, and uh, a guy who I'm, I'm just a big believer in in terms of being able to you know run your second unit, you know, fill in, uh, you know, as a guard. Uh, you know, he can do a lot for you. Um, I think um, you know he, he's a guy who I'm, I'm high on. Uh, I think Grayson Allen is another guy, and he's another guy who's a brand name, but who I think uh-huh. you know was uh, being a little probably a little underrated. Uh, I think will be a better pro uh, than in college. And then uh, Jerome Robinson from, from Boston College, too. I think he's a guy who sort of played his way maybe into the top 20 now, which is, it would have been crazy to say, uh, you know, at the start of the season. But, you know, he's a guy who I've liked a lot uh, as well. Nice, nice stuff. Yeah, no, Grayson Allen, that's a, you know, that's a polarizing call out. But I, I, I you know, I don't. I watched him a little bit and I've heard some things from people that have seen him play in like practices and stuff like that. And I've heard good things. So, you know, I, I, I like, I like hearing the, the Grayson Allen thing. I think it'd be uh, interesting to see where he falls. Um, but, uh, Jeremy, thank you for joining me, man. I, I really appreciate it. Tell the people where they can find your stuff. Uh, you're going to be <laughs> on the, you're going to be on the locked on NBA show if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, right. right. Yeah. I'm going to be doing that. Later, I think later this week. Okay, yeah, I didn't give away my so. pick. I didn't give away my pick because I'm a, I'm a company. No one's even sent me anything yet. I don't, good, I don't know. Good, to pick good. What. I'm, well, I'm, I'm awaiting awaiting that info. So. Nice, nice. Well, I, I, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll tell you after. You know, you, I'll be like, I'll feed it to you, so you'll be able to, you know, <laughs> announce it and you know, pick it apart before Locke gives it to you. But uh, he's going to be on the Lockdown NBA show, and then uh, tell the people where you can find your mocks and, and everything and the rest of your draft coverage uh, between now and draft night. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy Wu, just my name. Um, and, uh, you know, SI.com, you know, we have a lot of, I think, a lot of good, we'll have a lot of good stuff coming into the draft. You know, we've been covering it pretty closely all year. You know, it's been a lot of fun for me, uh, you know, sort of having the ability to sort of do it and dig into it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I appreciate appreciate you having me on, man. 
Ah, thanks, Jeremy. All right, man. <laughs>